So, Lord, we pray for Mark. Uh, thank you for what he's um, prepared. Thank you for all that he's been um, sharing through that testimony. And we pray for your blessing upon him. May he speak your words right into our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thanks, David. Hello. Hello. Happy Mother's Day. My mum always likes calling it Mothering Sunday. That's the traditional thing, isn't it? Happy Mothering Sunday. Now, we're doing a course on Closer to God and thinking of different ways or means in which we can go closer to God, uh, and particularly in this season of Lent, thinking about how we can draw close to him. And it, rather non-intuitively, we've ended up with fasting this evening on Mother's Day when loads of people, including me, have gone out for lunch. Uh, so we went out for lunch, my wife Claire and daughter Charlotte had a lovely meal, so we've not fasted, uh, but we're doing fasting anyway, because it just fell on today on the rotor. Nonetheless, it's a good thing for us to be thinking about, and I'm going to read to you some verses from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 to 18, where Jesus is speaking about fasting. So he says, when you fast... Do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. So, fasting. Now, when I looked at that passage, there's a few things uh, that I want to focus on when you fast, or what is fasting anyway, so we'll think about that for a bit. Uh, the, the, the rebuke of hypocrites, we don't want to be them, so let's think about avoiding being a hypocrite. But it also speaks about the rewards as well. So what is fasting? Let's try and avoid being hypocrites if we can, always helpful. And then think about the rewards of fasting. So fasting, what is it anyway? Well, it can be a very powerful and effective tool if done with the right motive. So fasting is basically the practice of giving up something, primarily food, and scripture certainly focuses on that, in order to focus on God in a more intense way. So through scripture, fasting refers to abstaining for food for spiritual purposes, and that really is the key, it's spiritual purposes. So when we think about fasting, we, we sort of naturally think about not eating food, that's kind of like the sort of the thing that we can latch onto. But again, it's not the eating food that's important. It's the kind of the spiritual dynamic that is at work. It's the strengthening of our inner man. It's the, the commitment to seek the face of God and to align with his heart and to see ourselves, uh, you know, effectively praying into situations. So we're harnessing fasting as a tool, as a means to an end, which is a spiritual benefit. So it's not dieting and it's not trying to kind of like win God's approval or anything like that, but it's a, it's a tool that we see in Scripture sort of align with, yoked to, in the main, prayer, where it helps us to be really focused in our prayer. So fasting always centers on the spiritual, even if the physical draws our attention, uh, mainly because it just makes us hungry when we do it. But actually, it's the spiritual impact of fasting that is key. Jesus fasted, and so did the members of the early church. And obviously fasting, we see multiple examples of fasting throughout the Old Testament scriptures. But nonetheless, the Bible doesn't command Christians in the New Testament to fast. So if you're looking for a scripture, you won't find one. We're not, commend, we're not commanded to fast, but certainly the New Testament commends it to us as something that can be 
beneficial. And so Jesus talks about it here in Matthew's Gospel that I read to you. And the context is the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, and he mentions fasting alongside prayer and giving. So it could be argued that he endorses fasting as kind of a given for the Christian disciple alongside prayer and alongside giving. And so it's kind of a given, it's assumed. Again, not commanded, but kind of assumed that this is a beneficial, good thing to be doing. So Jesus says, when you fast, presuming that we will do that. Because fasting seems hard and undesirable, it is important for us to remember that God isn't hard and undesirable. So actually, we need to think about the God that we are seeking when we fast. Because there's the danger that, you know, we can do this, like we can do so much in the Christian life, in a wrong spirit. We heard about reading the Bible as a means of going deeper with God and going closer to God, didn't we? But um, I think Paul quoted, um, in fact, I think that was the text that was read, where Jesus challenges the Pharisees and he says, look, you, you guys diligently study the scriptures because you, find, you think that in them you will find the kind of the meaning of life, the key to eternal life. But these scriptures testify to me and yet you refuse to come to me that you would know life so he's basically saying look it's possible to read the bible but without any benefits i mean at one stage he, he was speaking to the pharisees and he said you know you belong to your father the devil i mean that's as bad as it gets isn't it these people are reading the bible belong to the devil i mean that's a sort of horrible irony isn't it so we, we can employ any kind of you know supposedly beneficial christian practice or discipline but not actually gain from it if we're not approaching it in the right spirit. And I think as with reading the Bible, as with worship, as with prayer, as with fasting, it's so important that we have the right image of God when we approach fasting. So Jesus fasted. We see that when he's tempted by the devil in the wilderness, that he fasts. And who is the God that Jesus worships? Well, he came to reveal the Father to us, didn't he? And Jesus said that he's the exact representation of the invisible God. And Jesus is just amazing all the time, isn't he? He's just the kindest person there's ever been. He says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. Do you remember Jesus says, he says, I'm gentle and humble in heart. It's not just like one of the best verses in the Bible. I'm gentle and humble in heart. So if Jesus is gentle and humble in heart, what does that say about God the Father? He's gentle and humble in heart too, isn't he? If Jesus is the exact representation of the invisible God. So when we fast, instead of like getting on the treadmill, like, oh, I'm trying to pull one off for God and make God like me, we have to remember that we are fasting as a means of encountering a God who is gentle and humble in heart, which can really impact the way that we pursue fasting, can't it? If we've got like this sort of head teacher, policeman with a truncheon kind of God in the sky, then actually if we're fasting, it can become very heavy and very scary. But actually if we're worshipping the kindest person who's ever lived, Jesus, and he is the exact representation of the invisible God, that actually it's really key that we, we get right who God is and the nature of God when we fast. And one of the places where we see this, in fact, I preached this morning on Jonah uh, down at St. Andrews, uh, and, and the Ninevites fasted, and they repented, and they turned to God. And there was a, an all-out fast because Jonah came and prophesied destruction because of the sins of the Ninevites. And actually, they fast. There was a complete fast. Uh, the king called a fast. Everyone, even the animals fasted, probably involuntarily. Uh, they all fasted. And actually, God saw... We've already, Jill's already, you know, spoken prophetically about God seeing. And God saw with eyes of love and mercy. Do you remember that scripture where 
Hagar has been essentially booted out of the camp. And she's trying to tend to the needs of a child. And she's desperate. And God provides as an angelic encounter, heavenly provision. And Hagar is saved. And she says, you are the God who sees me. She has this revelation that God sees her. And God saw with eyes of love. And God saw with love the Ninevites. And it was his heart to show mercy, his heart to forgive. And so the fasting tapped into the nature of God. When Moses said, Lord, show me your glory, in Exodus 33 and 34, God said, all right, I'm going to cause all my, I'm paraphrasing, I'm going to cause all my goodness to pass before you. I'm going to proclaim my name. And he says, I am the Lord, the gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and kindness. That's his name. I'm the Lord, the gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and kindness. And that became, became like a statement of orthodoxy in the Old Testament. We see it in the Psalms. But also, interestingly, we see it in Jonah. So when the Ninevites fast, and God sees like he saw Hagar, and he has mercy, Jonah gets really grumpy. And he said, I knew you'd do this. And he says, I knew you'd do this in Jonah 4 verse 2, because you are the Lord, the gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and kindness, a God who relents in sending calamity. So actually, Jonah knew that God was kind. He just didn't want God to be kind to the Ninevites because they were his enemies and he didn't like them. He liked the idea of God being kind to him, but not to the Ninevites. But he knew what God was like. And so sometimes, again, we have this strange dichotomy of kind of like Old Testament grumpy God, New Testament nice God, you know, Jesus, nice. But actually, God has always been nice. Any English teachers are hating me right now for saying the word nice repeatedly. But I quite like the word nice. God has always been nice. It's an unreligious, unpretentious word. So maybe it will get in there, get in your heart. Sometimes when we use kind of like worthy language, sometimes it kind of like doesn't penetrate the heart. So when you get soccer punched by a word like nice, you think, oh, it really got in there, got in there. God's nice. God's really nice and he likes you. He's really nice. Honestly, he's really nice. And so God saw the Ninevites and he had mercy, even though Jonah didn't like him. So we need to not see this as kind of like being on a treadmill to try and like gain God's approval as if he's mean and he doesn't really like us and we're like desperately trying to like get on board with what, you know, trying to get him to like us. There is a difference spiritually between contending and striving. There is the striving that comes from not feeling like we have a home, not feeling like we have a safe place in God's heart. and We're trying to earn his approval. And it's like, God, please like me, please like me. And if you're on that treadmill and you start fasting, oh, that's just punishment. But actually, if you've got it in your heart that you have a home, you have a safe place with God, he likes you. That actually when the Spirit of God in you, like Jeremiah's fire in his bones, when the Spirit of God in you is just burning within you, and God is calling you to intercede with him for the nations and partner with him in what he's doing for the world, and then actually fasting kind of then gets yoked to prayer so that we're like really focused on God and we're aligning with his heart. Fasting can become a very powerful thing when we contend because the Spirit of the God is doing that in our hearts. Big difference between that and I'm not sure God likes me, and now I'm going to fast, and hopefully he'll like me. So striving and contending, they're different. One sourced in the flesh, striving. The other sourced in the spirit. 
I'm right with God. I have a home. God loves me. He's gentle and humble in heart. He'll never leave me nor forsake me. He thinks I'm fantastic. I think he's fantastic. And the spirit of God in me is calling me as a friend of God to intercede with him for revival for the sake of the nations, to bring an end to war in the Ukraine, to see my non-safe family come to know Jesus. And I'm partnering with God in a place of friendship and intimacy, not trying to get God to like me, but contending. And fasting has suddenly become a really useful tool so that I'm not just kind of like distracted by the next... Mackie D's or, you know, the, the next kind of like, you know, glass of wine or whatever it is. But actually, I'm really focused because God's serious. He's very, very loving and very, very kind, but he's serious about wanting to save the nations. And he's really serious about me growing into maturity as a Christian. And I'm going to partner with him. And fasting is going to just help me really focus on him. So I'm just not kind of wasting my time in perpetual box sets and Netflix. But actually, I'm just focused on the Lord and I'm really going for it with him. That's when fasting suddenly becomes a really, really powerful tool. So that's fasting. Sometimes there are corporate fasts. There's only one corporate fast in the Old Testament. And sometimes, you know, we can fast corporately because, you know, we're on board with God in something that he's wanting us to kind of like connect with him with, with prayer and fasting. But more often than not, it, it's a private thing between us and God. But Jesus um, basically... Uh, talked about how um, there are some who, uh, like the Pharisees, who would have, make a very public show of their fasting, were, were hypocrites. Because again, it wasn't touching them on the inside. It's like a public display, outwardly, kind of like, I am fasting, I'm also miserable about it. Which is where, you know, he says, when you fast, don't look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. So again, it, it's not about, like, oh, I'm fasting, as if it's sort of this sort of, Again, a sort of man-made, unanointed thing I've decided to do, but God was never in it to begin with. I just decided I was going to do it for whatever contrived reason. Maybe thinking like, oh, I can, oh, I can, I can lose weight. I've been meaning to do that for ages. And maybe please God at the same time. So again, it's sort of like the, the motives are dubious and half-hearted. And then there's, there's just no fruit of that. So how do we avoid that? So again, this passage shows us that hypocrisy both robs us of character like the, like, the, like the Pharisees, but also the rewards. We can fast, but the inner man no, show no kind of benefit because the spiritual life is hollow and lifeless. Well, the first step to overcoming hypocrisy is just to be honest with God about our secret life. There's no point praying things that we don't mean because then our prayers are empty. So again, we need to come to God and just get real with him. Some of us probably don't like the idea of fast just because we just indifferent. Light would be indifferent about prophecy. You know, here Roxana showing that. It's like, wow, that sounds so exciting. But, you know, maybe, and there's no condemnation. I'm not saying it's not condemning anyone, you know, but, but maybe, and you know, these seasons in my own life, you know, let's include me in the mix. You know, maybe there are times when we're just, we're just a bit off the boil and just fasting, we don't want to do it because we just don't really see the point. Maybe we've drifted off center a little bit. You know, we still believe in God. We're sort of plodding along, but actually we're a bit more focused on this year's hobby, or, you know, what's going on at work, or, you know, something else. Maybe not even a bad thing, but we've just gone off the boil. And so we don't really see the point in fasting because it's just not the trajectory that we're on, burning for God. Uh, but then you can throw it in the same category as that could be anything. Prayer, Bible reading, worship, the other things that we've been talking about as a means to going closer to God. So we need to get real with God about that. Again, close the door and say to God, God, you know what? I just feel like I've gone off the boil. And even maybe if, if we've, we're all right with that, at least hopefully we can be honest enough with ourselves to know that that's not all right. 
So maybe we need to pray. I don't even want to pray this prayer, but at least, you know, logically I know that that's bad. So I'm off the boil. I'm even okay with that, but I know that's not good. So Lord, have mercy on me. Break my heart and help me to be on fire for you. Or maybe we do feel bad about it. You know, maybe, maybe we're not that backslidden. We don't even think that that's bad. But we recognize, actually, actually, I, I really need to get right with God in this. And so it's just being honest with God. And it's saying, God, give me that fervor. Give me that passion. Set me on fire for you. So again, it, it's not hypocritical. It's not a pointless uh, thing. And we have to remember as well that when fasting, um, again, we're, we're getting the motivation right. It's not just being, avoiding being a hypocrite, but that our motives are right. Fasting is not about manipulating God. You know, fasting won't cause God to do something that's outside of his will. It's about changing ourselves to be in agreement with God's plan. So it's not to get God to respond like a genie out of a bottle to grant all of our wishes. It's, it's not what it's about. And again, we see in the Bible when, when people fasted, the different reasons they do that. In the Old Testament, like the Ninevites, you know, prophesied disaster and they were just you know, they were desperate it was to avoid absolute calamity. We see Esther also kind of, you know, encouraging, calling a fast when her life and that of her people is on the line. Or David, when David fasts for the sake of a, a, a child, uh, the life of a child. So we see fasting when there's just desperation. And frankly, when you're really desperate, it can be really helpful to fast because that's where your heart is at anyway. You don't want to watch Netflix and eat a burger when you've had a phone call saying that a member of your family is about to die or something. It's like, you know, it's, it's in those extreme instances, it's the most natural thing to do to fast, actually. But it's not just fasting in calamity uh, or to avoid catastrophe. We see in the New Testament, fasting for, for other reasons. Say like in the Acts church when they're fasting because of big decisions that need to be made. And they're actually saying, you know what, this is important and I don't want to miss the boat. I want to be on board with what God is doing. So even when they're trying to appoint leaders for various things in the church, at those times when critical decisions need to be made, they fast for direction. So there's different reasons why, why people uh, can fast, uh, whether it's desperation or wanting guidance or, or again, just seeking to harmonize with God's will and to just know him and to share his heart and to be on board with him. Now, there's different types of fasting in, in the Bible. So we read about a Daniel fast. There's the kind of absolute fast. Like in Nineveh, when the fast is called, they go without food and water, which is um, very extreme. There's a couple of instances, uh, total fast. In the case of Esther and Saul, the absolute fast only lasts for three days. Although Moses and Elijah managed to do that for 40 days, which is entirely miraculous. But again, given that there's no biblical command in the New Testament to fast, we really need to avoid being weird and you know, extreme and religious about it. So we need wisdom in the fast. We need God to show us. For most of us, fasting food, that, that's an appropriate thing to do. And it is, let's be honest, that's the, the biblical main way of fasting. But if you're diabetic or you've got some medical reason, if, if scripture isn't commanding you to fast, it would just be, for me, that's just silly and religious. That's coming from the wrong place. It's coming from striving, not contending. To say, even though I've got a medical reason why I shouldn't, I feel I ought to anyway. That's coming from like a not right image of God kind of place, I would have thought. But, you know, who am I to judge? It's between you and the Lord. But let's, again, let's not get weird and religious. If there's medical reasons why, you know, that's a bad deal, then don't feel condemned. And I think the, the point is, if it's not about the food, it's about what's happening spiritually, then all of us can give up something appropriately in order to focus on God. So you can ask God what to fast on. So again, if there are reasons why, you know, it would be a good idea to fast on social media or forms of entertainment or, 
or, I mean, it's always a good idea to fast on sin, <laughs> fast on gossip. Uh, but there are things that we can ask God. We can ask him for what do we need to fast on and, and wisdom for the, the time of that. But also good to have the purpose in mind. Again, what's my motivation for the fast? Why am I doing it? I'm not just giving up chocolate for Lent because I read somewhere that that's what people do. But actually, again, what is my purpose? I'm trying to you know, get on board with God's heart and grow in my relationship with him. So that's something about what is fasting, avoiding hypocrisy, i.e. focusing on, well, what's the motive here? And, you know, am I approaching this in the right way? And then finally, then, the rewards of the fasting. So he said, when you fast, we looked at that, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. We've done that. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you fast, put on your head, wash your face, so it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So again, there are rewards. There are obvious benefits for fasting. Pete Gregg, 24-7 prayer, he says that ironically, when we are weak in body, we are sometimes strongest in spirit, spiritually heightened and alert, and therefore prime for a breakthrough. So again, whether you're crying out in desperation or, or, or trying to kind of align with God's heart and interceding for breakthrough in a situation, whether you're in your life or the lives of other people, one of the obvious rewards is the breakthrough that just comes from just really intense and focused prayer where fasting, you know, couples together with, with prayer. Pete Gregg says that Jesus, knowing that he was about to face temptations and torments of the enemy, utilized the weapon of fasting and in so doing overcame the devil. I like that. It's, it's seeing that actually fasting is like a spiritual weapon. It's actually thinking, like, I don't want my flesh to let me down. I don't want to be drawn into sin. If I'm going to resist the enemy, then actually I need to know that it, I'm fasting, I'm utilizing as a weapon so that my flesh doesn't let me down. So again, it's, it's, it's that whole thing of, uh, for Jesus, fasting was a way to have mastery over his human nature so he could live every moment directed by the Holy Spirit. And if Jesus didn't rely on the flesh... Uh, in order to live an obedient life, then neither can we. So again, it's being masters over our, our, our flesh. And so actually recognizing that can be a weapon which, you know, with the power of prayer that is then focused um, through fasting, it can be an amazing thing. But also the benefits of fasting can include, uh, again, increased concentration of God for a season like Lent, where you're just wanting to be really focused on him. It's just clearing away the clutter. It's as simple as utilizing fasting as a way of just, you know, you know, get, you know, even having time where if you're not eating a meal or two, you can spend that time praying or worshipping or reading the Bible. Or again, when you get a bit hungry, it reminds you why you're doing it and you can commune with God and worship him. Again, combining prayer with worship. It's interesting that there's a passage where um, uh, the disciples of John the Baptist question Jesus about fasting. And they say, well, we fast, and the Pharisees fast, but what about your guys? They don't seem to be fasting. And Jesus says it's not right to fast when you have the bridegroom with you. He says this is a time for feasting, but the bridegroom will be taken from them, and then they will fast. And so, again, you know, Jesus was there present. It wasn't the time for fasting. It was a time for feasting on the word of God who was there incarnate with them. But he was going to be taken. He was going to die, but then he was going to be resurrected and ascend to heaven. And we're in that period of time where you could say this is the time of fasting, where we're awaiting the return of Jesus. But even now, we're still called to feasting because the kingdom of God is righteousness and joy in the Holy Spirit. And so we need the wisdom of God. There are times when God is saying, 
you know, actually don't fast now because I want to meet with you in the enjoyment of a nice meal. I want to meet with you in the enjoyment of a nice glass of wine. You know, this is what I'm like. I'm a giver of good gifts. He's the father of lights in whom there's no shadow or darkness at all. Every good and perfect gift comes from him. So we can't put, you know, fun was God's idea, not the other guys. So we can't say, you know, all the nice things, that's just me separate from God and everything. Again, that's a warped image of God. So again, we, we, we take God with us into watching a film we enjoy, going to a National Trust property, property with family and having cake and a cup of tea, playing, you know, going to play a game of football with some mates. We do that, but we also recognize, as we've been seeing, that there are times when fasting can really help us to connect with what God is doing in the moment. So we need wisdom again, don't we? So saying, God, I want to always be feasting on your word. I always want to be feasting on you. But am I feasting on you in a kind of, almost a more sort of overtly kind of enjoyable celebration sense? Or is this a time where I'm still feasting on you, but actually in the natural I'm also fasting? Because that's the place where you would have me engage in what you were doing. So concentration in God, increased effectiveness in prayer and intercession. As I said in in Acts, guidance in making decisions. It's quite interesting, isn't it, that... um, um, that Roxana was fasting and praying about seeking the prophetic gift. It's really interesting. And God rewarded her, didn't he? You know, she was actually fasting. She was taking God seriously, eagerly desired spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. And she was saying, oh, I'd love to, you know, be moving in the gift of prophecy. And so she was serious about that. It wasn't a whimsical prayer. It wasn't like, oh, God, if you like, that would be kind of nice, you know, if it's your will. He's already said it is his will and his word, eagerly desire. But she kind of went to town on it, thought, you know, I'm going to fast and pray. That was a good thing. The motive was good. And she was rewarded. Becky gave her a word. You're going to, you know, go into prophecy. Just so happened I was doing a couple of sessions on it. She was getting words, receiving them. And the fruit of that is wonderful. So again, it's, we see the rewards of God. Guidance in making decisions, but also deliverance from bondage. Sometimes if we're really seeking a breakthrough, you know, a lot of Christians, you know, might struggle with besetting sin patterns. And sometimes you just need to get over the edge Remember, there was an instance where someone brought before Jesus a boy who was demonized and, and the disciples couldn't get this kid set free. And they were like, what's going on, Jesus? Uh, and Jesus says, this type only, uh, only, you can only deal with this type through prayer. And then in one of the Gospels, I'm ad-libbing now, so it's when you ad-lib, you might not get it right. Uh, I'm thinking one of the Gospels, it adds, it, get, it adds fasting. This type can only be dealt with through prayer and fasting. In other words, there's, there's particular types of pernicious evil that actually you need that extra kind of like strength to kind of break into deliverance and be free from bondage. So sometimes if there's just stuff that's holding us back in our Christian life and stuff that we just need to get free from, or even in the lives of, of others that you know, we're trying to partner with them in prayer and see them get breakthrough, again, fasting can be something that can be utilized where the reward, if you like, is the breakthrough that can come as a result of that. So that's fasting what it is, having the motives right, seeing the rewards of it. And again, in all of this, as we've been looking at, the whole series is about growing closer to God, that we want to cultivate a relationship with this amazing God. We've just had uh, Mothering Sunday, and there's some amazing scriptures in the Bible about God's love like a mother. In the Psalms and also in Isaiah, God reveals himself. He says, you know, I comfort you like a mother comforts you. Could a mother ever forget her child? Well, even if she could, I, I couldn't forget you. And he compares himself to, to, a, to a mother and that nurturing love. The Bible also talks about God as a good shepherd, as a friend who sticks closer than a brother, as a redeemer, as a good king, 
again, as the best dad of all time. And this is the God that we want to go closer with, that we want to get deeper with, that this Lent we want to grow in our relationship with him. And there are many ways that we can seek to do that, whether it's Bible reading, praying, worshipping, fasting. But let's have that as our focus, that we're going deeper. We're wanting to encounter him, to grow in our relationship with him, the reason for which we were made. But also let's be open to the fact that as we grow in that relationship with him, he wants us to partner with him. He wants us to partner with him in seeing his gospel proclaimed, in seeing his kingdom come on earth as in heaven. And so fasting is not only a means of us growing this relationship with God for ourselves, but also it's getting on board with what God is doing in our time. Are you up for that? Why don't you stand with me and let's, let's pray.